Welcome back, Coyotes fans, to another episode of the Chirpin' Yotes podcast. I'm Tyler. Joining me, as always, Deadhead Grandy. And Haynes is back with us. It's been a little bit, I think, but boys, how are you doing? To be honest, I'm a little peeved. Lost my, uh, I had my account get hacked into for Twitter. Lost the account. Everything that I had built up over the years. All my saved tweets, all my bookmark tweets to troll Canadian fans when we're good again. Oh, so Lost Canadian did it then. Must have um, been a Canadian. Just, I'm in the process trying to get it back or at least get it shut down. But in the meantime, I have a new account, just made a new one. I don't have faith I'll get it back. So ignore anything you see coming from the old account of mine and then move forward. All right. So, uh, but how about you, Haynes? Hanging in there. It's been a while since I've been on and uh, apologize to all of our listeners for that. I've been uh, busy with life. I'm moving full time work wise. So I'm just, it seems like any free time I have is either spent writing or it's spent doing something with my animals or whatever it may be. So I'm, I'm, I just feel like I'm free time is a nothing for me right now and all that. But uh, I'm getting back into a little bit more free time and getting back into starting hockey again for the season. So um, I got some more, uh, more open skies ahead for me in terms of availability. And hopefully I'll be more of a regular again coming forward. That's good. The schedule's opening up. It's great. Missed having you on. Um, it's been actually surprisingly a uh, chill week for me. Uh, work, my computer for work busted. So waiting for them to get me a new one. So just kind of hanging out around the house, getting a lot of housework done. So that's always good. But um, let's go ahead and get in this episode. So we have some small things. Actually, one big announcement. Excuse me. It's all that's here. Uh, so I was planning a 50th anniversary special. Uh, 50th anniversary, excuse me, 50th episode special. Um, and my cousin Josh went on the way to go eat somewhere. And he's like, why don't you do 48? You know, stay 48. I was like, you know, that's a great idea. So we're going to do a big special for episode 48. Uh, we don't have the details yet. We're still kind of working on that behind the scenes. Um, but we'll definitely let you guys know. We're excited to get that out for you. Um, and also another smaller announcement. Keller has now played his 400th game, which is great. Uh, hopefully, here's to many more. Uh, you boys have anything to add to that Keller news before we kind of get into it? Oh, just good for him. I mean, the last two years have been his best of his career. Look forward to many more. Look forward to him keeping up this stretch of play going. That, well, we all knew was capable because we were the Keller or Battle of Keller Hill podcast. Yeah, we so, were. Um, just glad to, glad to be proven right on him, man. That's for sure. But yeah, just looking forward to the next 400. The next 400 are going to be something special. Let me tell you. Can't wait. Can't wait. Hopefully, hopefully runs. Yeah, I mean, you kind of said everything there. I mean, it's great for Kells. I mean, not every NHL player gets to achieve their goal of making an NHL, let alone, you know, playing even 100 games. So to get it 400 is great for Kells. You know, he stayed healthy the majority of his career besides an injury last season. And, you know, he's... He's a big part of this Coyotes team, and I know a few years ago people were were questioning that contract extension, but he seemed to have shut all the naysayers up, and it's great for him. And, you know, we all support and stand for Keller here on on the podcast and all that, and I'm excited to see what he does in the next 400, like you said, Grandy. I think he's got a lot of uh, positives coming his way in the future, and I think he's uh, going to be the leader here shortly, soon in the next year or so as the captain. So I'm I'm excited to see this next uh, stretch of Keller's career. I am too. Definitely ready for the uh, 
400 to be hopefully some big games for us. Uh, so so far, 2023 has not been too kind of the Coyotes, but you know, kind of is that's also a good thing. Uh, so what are you guys thinking in terms of this last stretch of play? How do you think the tank bull is going? Let's do a check in for that real quick. Honestly, I have mixed feelings about this because, like we talked about on last podcast. I want us to be bad. I want us to get a high pick as possible because that's good for the future. But I didn't want to see us approach Chicago levels bad. And it kind of seems like we're approaching Chicago levels bad. <laughs> um, It's been a rough stretch. And based on the road trip we have coming up and the teams we play, this could get ugly fast. Um... We could be looking at a bad, long losing stretch. Uh, so, mixed blessings, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's good for the tank. And let's be real, two years from now, nobody's going to remember this losing stretch. That's, that's the thing we always have to keep remembering about this is two years from now, nobody's going to remember this. Haynes, how about you? Yeah, I mean, you, you're right, Granny. I mean, you, you know when two years is going to remember this. Right now, I know they're still frustrated, but in two years, this is going to be worth it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, the team has definitely um, – it, it was good to see them on a winning streak, in my opinion, because it was good to kind of see what this team can be in the future. But um, at the same time, you know, the ultimate goal right now is getting a top-five pick in this upcoming draft. And, you know, the Kaiser are playing to that level of getting a top-five pick in the draft coming up. Um, maybe a little bit worse than what we expected. They're kind of looking at points like what they were last season, and that roster was um, not very good looking at all. This one's a little bit better, but they're performing about to last year's level. But, um, I mean, it's not easy for them coming up. I mean, they got – the Senators coming up. They have the Wild, the Jets, the Red Wings, the Capitals, the Stars, Golden Knights, the Ducks twice in the Blues. And out of those, all those games remaining in January, three of those are against teams that are within the Coyotes' point range with the Senators and the Ducks twice. And other than that, every other game is against a team that's 10, or point, 10 points or more higher than the Coyotes. So um, definitely not any easy games coming up for this team. Um, we've seen this year that the Coyotes can pull off some big upsets at the same time. Uh, Boston was a big example, Colorado, um, LA, they're, you know, this team can win big games at the same time, but, you know, I think, uh, really we're going to kind of see more of what this team's going to finish the season out. I think through the rest of January, we'll kind of really get a sense of what this team is going to become through, uh, through to end the season as the rest of this month goes on. You know, I was going to bring up Toronto as another team that we upset, but Really, can yeah, you call I, that an upset at this point? No, when your all-time record against them is like 56-33 or something like that and like two, no, I really wouldn't call it an upset. Uh, I, I know Toronto fans do, and uh, I mean, I guess it is when Toronto's as good a team as they are, but when the Coyotes have statistically owned the, the Maple Leafs since they've come to the league, I don't know if I'd really call it as much of an upset, more of just the Coyotes just getting the best of the Maple Leafs countless times. 4-0 in the year 2022. That's all I got to say. Um, But I think that brings us pretty much right into a segue into our next uh, topic. Do you want to talk about the importance of a top five pick there, Haynes? Yeah, I can do that. So um, I know you guys touched on it last pod and all that, so I won't go super, super long with the answer here. But um, 
for people that you know are a little maybe wary, maybe a little not familiar with why fans want this team so badly, especially this year to get into a top five pick, is not just because of the magnitude of this year's draft, which is um, I, I would say light years better than last year's draft. I think this is uh, approaching the talent in Carver Dart is approaching the level of what you're seeing in McDavid um, in his draft year. So, um, it, I mean, it's huge regardless to get a top five pick. People don't understand really how big it is. Um, teams build build teams. You build your team. You build your future through the draft. But getting generational talents in those top fives helps take years off rebuild. And I know people are saying, well, what if the Coyotes fall out? And I know you asked that before the pod, Tyler. What what happens if the Coyotes fall out of a top five pick? What if they say fall in ninth or tenth? Um, you know, it, it, it this draft is a good one. The Coyotes would still get a great player if they were to fall in ninth, tenth, but it takes years off a rebuild. Like you said, Grandy, it, um, you, you take years off your rebuild when you're in the middle of actively trying to not say tank, but when you're losing a lot and you don't get a top pick as I guess a reward for losing it, where it's called, it definitely, uh, it definitely hurts your rebuild some, and it definitely pushes back the timeline for being a competitor. So uh, for the people that, you know, aren't as curious as to why some fans are actively wanting to see us lose as much as possible, it's just to help the rebuild overall. If you can get a guy like Fantilli or you can get a guy like Bedard this year in the draft, that takes another year off your rebuild. That makes it, it that makes it better for fans in the long run because it's less losing you're going to see, and it's going to be, less time it's going to take for you to see this team actively winning and competing in the division. One thing I do want to add real quick, because I've seen a lot of people bring up that, oh, well, Fantilli didn't look that great in the World Juniors, or Leo Carlson, who's one of my favorite prospects in this year's draft. He's great. If you haven't looked him up, I would look into him, read about him, watch some highlights. But Leo Carlson looks great, but I know people have brought up, well, he didn't have the best World Juniors. They had the standard underage world juniors. This is what typical uh, draft year players do. This is what Nathan McKinnon did in his world juniors because what Connor Bedard did is special. And Connor Bedard has uh, covered that up. Fantilli and Carlson didn't lose any luster, they didn't lose anything having a quote-unquote rough World Juniors. It was just a standard for what a pre-draft player does in the World Juniors. But Dar just broke that standard with how good he was in it. It's just... But Dar broke the World Juniors. Cooley had a almost historic World Juniors. And... But Dar made it look silly. It's just... But Dar... Don't measure those players' World Juniors up to Bedard's World Junior. Bedard's special. Bedard is going to be a McDavid-level player. I feel very confident saying that right now. But Fantilli and Neil Carlson are going to be great, great alternatives if you can get draft second or third overall. So don't let their World Juniors worry you on that. There, it was a standard draft-eligible player's World Junior. Tyler, are you back yet? I guess he is not, so let's move into... Unless you had more you wanted to add to that, Haynes. No, I think you're... Uh, I think you kind of said everything there. I mean, it is... I mean, 
you can't really judge how some of these guys perform in World Juniors because, you know, like you said, it is, uh, it is a draft-eligible year for some of these guys. You know, this is the time to really take center stage to everybody in show, and um, I, I do. I think if the Kais, you know, don't get number one and get that prize pick in Bedard, who, like you said and I said, is going to be the level of McDavid, I think you get a great second guy in either in Carlson or Fantilli if you can fall in there. So I, I don't think it really um, – uh, this draft, I know everybody's gunning for number one overall, and and deservedly so. I mean, you got a generational talent number one, but uh, fans shouldn't be knocking themselves down a peg if the Coyotes don't get number one. So I, I wouldn't let. If I was a fan, uh, if, well, I am a fan. If I were someone listening to this and you're hearing this and you, you're saying to yourself, "Well, this is," they're saying, "This is all if the Coyotes don't get number one, it's over." It's not. It, it's a great draft. It, there's a lot of good guys in here, and if you don't get them. You don't get them, but if you get top five pick, it's a year off the rebuild, like we had said before. Yeah, it's just to me when you tank, it's not even so much about getting first overall. It's about not having it affect you as badly if you fall. It's about just drafting as high up as possible in the draft as you can until they fix the lottery system. It is what it is, but uh. Tyler, did you have anything you wanted to add to the fifth overall or getting a top five pick discussion again this week? No, I think we pretty much pretty much hit that in the head last week, so I'm good to roll out on that one. All right, then let's move into the next subject. Perfect. Okay, so so we got so we were talking before recording and before my horse called me and got to straight some things out. Um the Coyotes aren't necessarily the most blessed franchise in the NHL, safe to say, but what would you say would be the biggest contributors to our current slash past woes, would you say, if you had to kind of narrow something down? Hey, do you had a great one. You want to take lead on this one? Sure. Um, the, yeah, I mean, it's no secret the Coyotes have uh, had their fair share of misfortunes. You know, honestly, we could talk forever. I know fans would love to bring it up to us outside of Arizona about – uh, ownership issues, arena ship issues. I know the Kais have had that, have been blessed with that sort of thing. Hopefully that's going to ride itself in May. Um, but I, I, if we're talking about hockey in general, just the team and, you know, the organization and all that, and just the game on ice and what has played the Kais of the year, I think it's center depth. Um, me and Granny kind of agree on this before we started. You know, Kais never really had a, a true through center before um, uh, two guys we threw out were Martin Hansel, Antoine Vermette. Those were good guys. Don't get me wrong. Antoine Vermette did a lot in his time with Arizona. Uh, was a really versatile player. Martin Hansel, despite some injuries, was a versatile guy who at one point the Coyotes could view could become something bigger than what he was, and it, and it didn't work out like it was. But um, center up is the biggest issue um, and all that for the Coyotes right now. You, you got I know they drafted some last year with Cooley and all that and Geeky, but you got to – the Coyotes have to wear his call. That's that's the biggest issue for this team. Biggest issue for building a contender is not only having good goaltending, good defense, good you know scoring depth. Is having good centers. Those are your guys winning your draws. If you're not winning draws, it's hard to create momentum, especially if you're taking a face off in the you know offensive zone and all that. So it that's the biggest area for me. The Coyotes really need to work on is just. You, you got to build down the middle. You got to build all your positions, but building down the middle is one of the biggest areas to focus on. The Kais just haven't done that well. It's something that they um, have is really hurt them the last few years. And, and I'm going to give it to Granny because he's going to play in perfectly here on why the Kais have had such issues with, say, like growing their center depth. So, Granny, I'll let you go into this with what you had. Yeah. So, my, my subject that I think the Coyotes have done the worst on personally. 
end it. He's into it plays into the center depth thing incredibly well. It's just drafting in general. I mean, it's one of the reasons why a lot of fans think that this rebuild is doomed to fail and why they don't want to tank and do stuff like that because it's a we haven't drafted well as a team throughout the years. We can go on and on and on about the guys we've missed, the guys we've drafted over who are drafted over player X. But first round picks, we haven't hit on very many of those to great extents. And late round picks, forget about it. We've had so few of those hit the roster. It's not even funny. It's kind of what makes Michelli so special. He was a fourth round pick who's looking like a star. But if you look at our greatest roster of all time, the 2012 roster, that was built largely through trades and free agency, like Verbata, um, Ray Whitney, Derek Morris. A lot of those guys were brought in alternative ways to drafting, which is why that run was so short. We went from looking great in 2010, 2011, 2012 to being an awful team in 2013 because our drafting couldn't sustain the talent level. We've just never had the talent level to compete with some of these teams. We've had to always outwork them, always outgrit them, always whatever you want to call it because we cannot skate with some of these teams. And all of that just comes down to drafting and our misses and our whiffs. And that is one thing that I am really glad GMBA took the time to address when he got in. Adding the scouts, adding the all of that, adding the background to be able to draft well. So, but yeah, just drafting. I think we have a future episode that's going to be dedicated 100% to the past Coyotes draft, so I won't go into it more detail with it now so keep an eye out for that but yeah drafting drafting draft better please tyler what about you i'm going back to kind of what haynes first kind of said there is ownership i think when we you know when was it jerry moyes what the hell his name was when we hit that bankruptcy in 09 i think that really set us back and i think now that we have a new owner that actually not only has the capital to do things and the ability to do things I think we're going to start to finally become the franchise we probably should have been with the better ownership group. Uh, and also, I think just move to Glendale. I mean, I know we've harped on it several times. I know everybody's kind of harped on it, but I think that moving way out there just really stifled growth. It really did. And But I think the Tempe, I think the, I mean, this is the brightest franchise in Arizona right now. I mean, maybe the D-backs, if they don't trade their good talent for peanuts. But I mean, I think the Coyotes right now are the brightest spot in Arizona sports. So I think we finally have kind of, hopefully, gotten rid of some of the curse and plague, burned some sage in the in the Mullet Arena. I hope, but yeah, definitely on top of all what you guys said too. Of course, I mean drafting and all that. But to I guess another thing that's been unplagued would be Barrett Hayton. As of late, has been playing really, really well. You know, what do you guys think attributes to that? You think he's eating his Wheaties more? You think uh, what's going on with that? I think two things have helped. I think one, he 
he was playing really well defensively. Even during his stretch where we were all being critical of him, he was still performing really well defensively. So that helped. And then two, I think getting that first goal got that monkey off of his back. And you see him playing a lot more loosely, a lot more confidently. And confidence is key when it comes to young players. If you don't have the confidence to make a move, you're going to play it safe. And when you play it safe, you're going to produce like Barrett Hayton did at the start of the year. And that is not at all. You need better players around you to produce. And he had guys like Nick Ritchie on his wing. That's not going to work for that. Um, and that's another thing too, is that his increased play has brought him up to the, to finally centering the line between Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz. Something I would like to say, I called at the start of the year where, a prediction I had at the start of the year was that he would eventually center that line. So not to toot my own horn, but I had that one right. The confidence. The confidence is what I see as being the biggest difference between how he's playing now and how he was playing a month ago. What about you, Haynes? Yeah, I mean, you, and that's the biggest thing is not only self-confidence itself, but the coach's confidence. And, and you know, he's – he he could have been relegated to the fourth line. He could have been stuck there. He could have been sent down to the AHL for conditioning. But Torini has um has has trusted him. He he has confidence in him. He knows what he's capable of. Armstrong could have moved him. He knows what he's capable of. They drafted him for a reason when they did. When they did, obviously it was Chica that made that move. But you know he was drafted when he was for a reason. It was because the guys obviously liked signing his game that they viewed that he could be a long term guy, whether as a top six forward or a bomb six forward, the penalty kill specialist. And um, you know, and it didn't seem to pan out right away for him. But you know, it's slowly we're seeing in the last year and a half now we're seeing maybe a different side of Barrett Hayton, maybe one that could be a little bit more of an offensive weapon. And and that's good for him. And you know, and in any player that goes through long stretch without scoring, you see the struggles. And we saw that with Barrett Hayton start of the season. The struggle really plagues a guy at the beginning of the year when they're not scoring, they're not finding the back of the net, they're not you know not making plays. It, it eats at a guy. It, it burns them, and sometimes it affects their play because they're maybe trying a little too hard. So. Um, like you said, when he scored that first goal, he really did seem to get a monkey off his back in that situation. He seems loose with the puck. He seems smart with his playmaking. He's not having careless turnovers. He looks better than what he looked like a year ago. So that was just the biggest thing for him was um, trying to get over that not I wouldn't say confidence, but get past that struggle, that lack of confidence in him per se. It was him the biggest issue for him was trying to overcome that and know what he's capable of and get to that level of hockey that we saw late last season. So um I, I don't know where the coyotes maybe view him for, for the future. I think like you said, Grandy, I think he could is a long term piece of this team still. I don't know whether they view him as a big guy in the future, or they view him as a lesser role guy, which is understandable with the guys we do have coming in. But I think he's um I think if he can continue to improve on what he's doing now and have a season like he did last season similar to it, I think that, you know, that's good for him. I mean, it, he's got to find a way eventually to translate that to a full 82-game state or slate of playing that way. But, um, you know, he's a young kid still. He's only 21, maybe younger than that. I'm not great off the top of his age, but he's, he's a young kid. He's going to have some growing pains. Um, it's going to happen to him. Um, but I'm I'm glad to see some progress in his game, and you know I think that's good for him. That's good for the team overall. It's good for the organization, and I think that uh I think he has a bright future here, and I think it's uh it's it's definitely showing as of lately, and I think he can keep it up going forward. 
That's good. Yeah. And out of that, you guys pretty much nailed that one. So, without further ado. Um, and then, Haynes, you brought up uh, Bukestad and a couple other traits. Uh, you want to go ahead and take that as well? Yeah. So, I, I wrote an article the other day, and I, I kind of want to assess maybe some more of the bigger questions. We all know that Shane Gossespierre, Jacob Chikrin are the two biggest names that Coyotes, if they're going to move guys, it's going to be those two guys. They, they carry the highest trade value. Um, you're going to get a lot of return for them. But people aren't really looking far past them in terms of what else the Coyotes can move. Now, we can all collectively agree the Coyotes are probably not going to have a, a, a wholesale on just sitting out the door come the trade deadline. I don't think it's like last year. I think that there is going to still be a good, healthy amount of trades from the Coyotes, but I don't think you're going to see a full sale down of just getting rid of everybody. But I think outside the two, I think there's a couple other guys that kind of... Haynes, we lost you. Uh, it it, Where did you lose me at? That was my bad. My girlfriend called me. Uh, we lost you at... You don't think it's going to be a full-scale teardown like it was last year? Yeah. My bad about that. Um, yeah, I think it's not going to be a full sale. You know, everybody's coming out the door, anybody's going and all that situation. But I think there are pieces outside of your top two that could be moved. And I think there's some other small trades that guys can make. And I think Nick Bukestad's one of those guys. I think he's a guy who's um, – his career has been real interesting. You know, his best season ever was 49 points with the Panthers in the 2017-2018 season. Uh, but other than that, he's been in the last few years a typical run the middle third, fourth line guy, a good, a good, you know, defensive bottom level or bottom uh, six player that is a good face off man. You use them, you can make, you can use them for a good playoff run if you need to. And, um, but this season, you know, he came to Arizona. He was looking for a different chance. He said himself he felt comfortable with what he saw with the roster here and what he felt like talking with the organization. And he, and he wanted to come here because he felt like this is where he could not only, provide maybe some veteranship as he said um in his words uh, to the young guys but also maybe come here and maybe spark his game turn his game around and like you said granny before we start the podcast this relates back to a um a Travis Boyd kind of thing Travis Boyd last year came to Arizona as a guy who's typical third fourth line guy and had one of his best statistical seasons of his NHL career and Granted, while we're only through, you know, 40 games through the season, a lot 40, 41 games through the season so far, Nick Bukestad looks to have found maybe something special here in Arizona. He's gained playing time, and he's and he's and it's showing. He's playing better. He's, you know, better face-off man. He's contributing offensively on nights. But at the same time, I there's people out there saying, well, you know, if he wants to be here for the future, why do the Coyotes not keep him around for the next year or so? Do I think that's a realistic option? Yes, I do. I think the Kais could move. But at the same time, this also, like you said, Granny, and you stated, I want to bring it back up, it goes back to Travis Boyd. Travis Boyd last year, really good season, and signed a contract extension during the offseason to stay at the Coyotes. And he's one of the worst forwards on the team right now. So if the Coyotes are viewing this right now and they see how Nick Bukestad's playing and he keeps it up, if I'm Joe Armstrong, I'm making a move. Uh, when that if the trade down comes around, there's teams calling for him. And you can get an early third, a late second form. I'm pulling a trigger on that trade. While he may want to be here, you can't pass up the opportunity on having a guy be like Boyd, in which he has a really good year, and you don't do something on it, and then he comes back next year and is one of the worst forwards on the team. So I think if the Coyotes are smart here and he keeps it up, I would pull a trigger on a trade. Um, if he likes here or not, hockey is a business. This game is a business. At the end of the day. Um, but I, I think he carries some trade bait as of right now. I think if he keeps it up, he can have trade bait. He's on pace to 
uh, almost break his career high in points. I think he's on pace for almost about 38, 39 points this year. It puts him about 10 short of his career high, but he he's showing that with more ice time like Boyd had and all that, that he can contribute a little bit more offensively. But I think at the same time, if a team's calling come the deadline for a good depth forward that can help maybe push them over the edge for that playoff push, I think Nick Bukestad is likely option to get moved. But I'm curious to hear what y'all's point is and y'all's opinions. I personally am all for moving Bukestad. Um, I think his value is at its highest that it's ever been at trade-wise. And I don't see it getting higher than this. And I also don't don't know if it maintains. I love Bukestad, but when a player has a career year like he's having, how often do those happen or how often does a career year at 28 get repeated after that it's not very often as far as yeah i just i'm in favor of moving him and i think that's what the long and run of it is as far as other names on the roster i think we could look at going there's not much there i mean maybe we get a pick or two for troy stetcher maybe but that's gonna be mid-round picks I don't think there's anyone else on this roster that really affects what we're doing right now as a team, aside from the three big names, and that being Bugstead, Chikrin, and uh, Gosses Bear. I will say, as much as I'm in favor of moving him, I would put, I would name B. Nick Bugstead our MVP of this team so far because. He's been the engine behind arguably our best line all year with Kraus, him, and whoever's on that wing, whether it's Michelli, whether it's Gunther, whether it's Carcone. Whoever's on that wing produces with those two. It's just, it's part of a rebuild. It's part of being in a rebuild. You see players like Nick Bugs said come and go. It's going to be sad. It's going to be a bummer. But I think in the long run, getting something for him is better than watching him potentially walk out the door as a free agent or signing him and watching him watching his, this be a career year and have him go downhill every year after this. So maybe I'm overreacting to Nick, to Travis Boyd's downturn, but it was also something last year I called this about Travis Boyd. I said that this was going to happen with him. Players don't maintain these shooting percentages. When you have a career year at this age, it doesn't generally stick. So we'll see what happens at the trade deadline. I think this is going to be a fascinating trade deadline. And I really do think we're going to see a name we are not expecting get moved outside of those three names. So it's going to be fun to watch. I just don't know if the team will be as one to watch afterwards. So, but uh, what about you, Tyler? Do you have anything to add? Uh, like I've said several times in the podcast, and we'll continue to say uh, in GMBA, I trust. You know, I think if he he's the kind of guy, I think if he is getting a phone call, he's going to take that phone call. I think if, like Kane said, you know, uh, early third, late second, I can see him pulling the trigger. You know, I think he's definitely dedicated to rebuild. Um, though I like Nick Bustead, cool guy, cool last name, but uh, I think we just need to keep. Keep the train going. Keep steady the course. Don't veer off. Let's just keep doing the rebuild. Do what we got to do. Stick with the plan and all that. But a quick thing I thought of when we were talking about this, um, 
What do you think the reason is for people playing so well in Arizona? Like, what would be, is it is it the coaching staff? Is it our facilities? Is it the great Mullet Arena? Is it the great town of Tempe? What would you guys say would be the biggest contributing factor to right now these players getting these renaissances? Two things for me. One, one, it's uh, Coach Turnier is the real deal. This guy is a great coach who puts players in positions to succeed. I am very much looking forward to a future when we have talent on this team with Coach Bear. It's it's so exciting, man. It, it really is. Watching what he does with these guys unexpectedly. What is he going to do with Cooley? What is he going to do with actual talented guys? God, it's it's awesome. so exciting. It just gets me oh, so pumped for the future. What a high. The other thing, though, the other thing is they come into this and they have ice time in positions like a top six center role that aren't going to be available on better teams. You're not going to be playing. Nick Bukestead would not be playing 15, 16, 17 minutes a night on a playoff team. He's not going to be playing that on most teams. He'll get that here because we're rebuilding. We don't have the talent yet on our roster. And the, uh, the ice time, along with the ability to be put into the right situations, allows for a boom, allows for that short-term just explosion that we saw out of Travis Boyd last year, that we're seeing out of Nick Bugstead this year. Um, I will say I do think Nick Bugstead overall is a better player than Travis Boyd. So I think even if he does go back to what he was before this year, I don't think that's necessarily a horrible thing. But yeah, I just the two things the two things combined for a really potent thing. We saw it with Ghost. We we saw it with Ghost Despair. We saw it with uh, Boyd last year. We're seeing it with Bugstead. We saw it briefly with Richie before Richie remembered he couldn't skate, and then yeah, just. I'm oh, really excited for the future. What about you, Haynes? My bad. I was untra- there. I was muted there for a second. Um, yeah. I mean, I I agree with you. I think. Uh, I mean, I'm excited for the future. We all are as Coyotes fans. I think that's the ultimate goal here. Is we're we're looking towards the future and what this team is going to be in the future. That is the ultimate goal here. Is right now we're living in the moment just watching a team that's waiting to get into the area in which they're a progressive team. Um, I think that Bukestad is just one of those guys that's here like a Cassian or like others. I think he's here, you know, solely for the ice time. He's here to try to revitalize his career to potentially be moved and maybe re-get his game back on track. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is. We're gonna, it's going to be hard to see him go. I know that for some fans, he's uh, favorites. I know for, like, my brother, for example, he's his favorite player on the team and all that. And it's going to hurt when if they do move him or if he leaves in the offseason, it's going to hurt. But uh, it is. This team is going to be a different team in a year. Uh, you're not going to see some of these guys are bringing in expiring contracts like Patrick Nemeth like we did before. But uh, that's just part of the game. It goes back to this is a business. Uh, hockey, at the end of the day, is a business. And even if you do love a guy, there there is possibilities any time, any day that your fair player can be moved. So for Kai's fans that, you know, maybe – dreading seeing the deadline come around and who may be on their way out. You do have to remember the long-term goal of this and what we get out of it is ultimately is what's going to help us shorten this rebuild and make it 
less of a couple years of suffering and more of starting to see this team be a real contender in the next year or two. The suffering will be worth it, Coyotes fans. The suffering will be worth it. Just a couple more seasons. And we'll hopefully Coach Tournier will get his hands on Logan Cooley and a couple of others and really uh, get things going. So before we get to the is anything else you want to cover before we uh, wrap this up? Oh, I think we're pretty good. Hey, do you have anything you want to touch on? No, I think we're good. I think we uh, kind of hit everything. I know that there's a lot of topics we talked about today. We'll be revisiting for our listeners. We will be revisiting stuff like trades and drafts and all that later into the season as we go. But we're, you know, right now we're only just the midway point of the NHL season. We still have a, uh, All-Star Weekend coming up. Honestly, fans should be voting for, you know, Chick. They should be voting for Ghost. They should be voting for Kraus to try to get his last man in. But, yeah, I think we've kind of covered everything up to this point. There's definitely some more we can touch on in the future, but I think we've kind of had everything we want to we want to kind of talk about. Real quick, I do want to say about that. That's a great point about the last man in thing. Let's put all our firepower behind Kraus. On, of anybody on this team, to me, if it wasn't Keller, Kraus should be our All-Star. Let's put all of our voting firepower behind Kraus and try to drive him towards getting that all-star berth. He deserves it this year. He's on a tear. He's great. He's arguably been our best player overall, even over Keller for stretches. Um, let's, let's try to get him an all-star spot, man. Think about how much that would mean to Lawson Kraus to be an all-star for the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. Good guy. Let's do it. Um, so, that being I did find a tweet, and I'm going to repeat it verbatim, give the guy his handle, give him full credit. I did not come up with this question of the week. Uh, so the Hockey Samurai, whose handle is at Hockey underscore Samurai, tweeted us out today, and I just instantly knew this would be my question of the week. So, it is. Gary Bettman has come to you for some advice. He's given you the power to change anything about hockey or the NHL. What are you changing? And normally, I pass this on, but I'm on call for work. So I'm going to go. I think the NHL needs to. I would tell him to. I don't know if you guys ever seen it. Um, but on Nickelodeon, on like Prime, they have that slime time for NFL, right? It just gets the kids involved. It's a bunch of crazy. Yeah, it's cringe. But you know what? It's good for the kids. It gets the kids introduced to the game. They get on it. Keep following it. Um, even golf has declined. It, its age used to be, what, 10 years ago? was like the average age was like above 35. Now it's under that. I mean, the NHL is having a problem marketing itself. And I think with soccer just taking over as the fourth most watched sport and the World Cup coming to North America in four years, this is time for them to really, really market these players. We should let them do the gritty. Let them do these weird little dances that these kids like. Do things like that the highlights kind of what basketball and the nfl have been doing i think this is the time to strike with that obviously there's a lot of rule Wait, changes are you, you saying with that. Hmm. are you saying that there isn't a problem with smirking are you sure about that problem with what? tyson nash here you say that oh yeah tyson nash can suck it honestly i mean it's just these, these guys get met so the kid scores a goal red wings player not a big deal scores a goal and beats the the uh, bruce five to zero or five to four and does a gritty, and the old heads are just like, oh my god, how could he? And like, bro, forgive him for having fun, dude. Forgive him for having fun. Um, Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. That needs to go. That has to go right now. These old heads need to stop having a say in the dumbest shit. John Scott needs to just get off the dumb shit. It's it's time. That's, that's what the NHL needs right now, because like I said, soccer's coming, and it's gonna get bigger. It's growing here. So, 
NHL time is nigh. What about you, boys? I will say, look at what baseball embracing the backflip and the players showing emotion has done for it. It's yep. uh, maybe not a resurgence like they were expecting, but it did see a resurgence from a league that looked like it was dying to yeah. back to respectability. Um, but me, mine, if you've listened to this podcast, you know it's coming. Bye-bye offsides. Good riddance. Goodbye. You're done. Get out of here. Just, I've talked at length about why I think it's a rule that can get all, go away. The rule designed to stop offense. We're talking about growing the league, and you want to, and you have a rule that only places in there is to stop offense. Who cares if a player enters before a millimeter before a puck does? Get rid of it. Goodbye. Gone. Let's score goals, baby. Let's do this. Let's up the yep. scoring average. Um, and if you, if people want me to state my cases as to why I think it, we can cover that in a future podcast. Just comment on yeah. the tweet that this podcast will be attached to. If you want me to give my reasons to why I think offside should be gone, I've given it before. I have no issue giving it again. I am very passionate about Hill this. Part two. And I am, yeah, I'm very passionate about this, and I will preach. Haynes, how about you? Because I know this is one that you're very passionate about as well. Yeah, um, I mean, I want to throw some noble mentions out real fast for ones that maybe some people other have had that I've seen. Um, biggest one some people that have seen is eliminating the shootout. Uh, I agree with that there. I think that, you know, it, it, most players don't really care for the shootout. I think if you were to just stand overtime – or even take the clock away and just play continuous overtime until someone scores would be a, is one that you could definitely mention. I know a lot of people are not big fans of the shootout. I'm really one of that either. Not many guys practice their moves and shootouts anyway. Um, but for me, the one, like you said, Granny, if you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard me say it before, get rid of the trapezoid rule. Um, college hockey doesn't enforce the trapezoid. They don't even have the trapezoid on the ice. Um, I know that professional hockey does it and all that. Minor league hockey does it as well. It was a rule solely invented because a guy named Mark Timmerdor was so great at handling the puck in the early 90s and early or late 90s, early 2000s. They literally made a rule to prevent him from being able to come out and play the puck as well as he did. That was the sole reason the Trapezoid rule was invented. It was literally originally called the Bredor rule. Uh, people can look that up. It was solely a rule based on Mark Tamador, and it was to limit him from being able to play the puck as well as he did because he was like a sixth defenseman on the ice. Um, that's, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some goalies that have some great puck skills, puck handling skills, but there's not Mark Tamador's in the league. Guys aren't, goalies aren't coming out and playing the puck like they are behind and all that like Mark Tamador does and all that. So just, it, it's an old rule. It was one that was, at the time, I understood why they brought it in. But it's not something that's even uh, something that even should be enforced anymore. Still, I think if a goalie wants to come out and risk going all the way behind them, let him do it. Um, if a goalie's come out and play more, I think that's honestly great. I'd love to see goalies come up more, go behind the net more, into the corners, and be able to be able to play that puck before an icing or before a breaking comes in. That way, they can get it up and out. Um, I think it would move the game around a little bit faster because then you wouldn't have you know maybe as many offsides because the goalie have more free range of coming out to play the puck. In certain areas, but it is. It's just it's an old, outdated rule. Um, I think it's time that it gets moved. I think there's some other areas you can talk about, like I said, that we can mention that are other rules that 
I think the league can move by from, but I, I think the Travzar rule is, in my opinion, it's just it's a dumb rule. I think it was dumb when they invented it. I think it was dumb that they've kept it around as long as they have. So if I'm Gabe Bettman and I'm hearing this, I would be getting rid of the Travzar rule as fast as possible. Those are all pretty ones. I like that. I'll get Chase when he comes on next to give his answer too. Okay, well that's it, boys. That's all I got. You guys have anything you want to add before we close this thing? Up? I don't think so. No, just uh, thank you all. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for supporting us. The, we're looking at getting back on a more regular podcasting schedule. This podcast is part of that. Thank you all for everything. We wouldn't be doing this without you guys. So I'm just looking forward to talking more hockey with you boys. I think that's the main thing. At the end of this, talking hockey with guys I call friends is the dream. Like, who doesn't want to do that? But, yeah, thank you all. Yep, thank you guys for listening. Uh, We'll see you in the next one, and goodbye.